0: Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from the book of Genesis about the Egypt chapter of Hagar's life and how she was storing up sin and the wrath of God against her. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or you can find the Friendship with God podcast on iTunes. That's the Friendship with God podcast on iTunes. Now, this Bible teaching radio program, especially this Old Testament Bible teaching radio program from Tom Cantor, is available through listener support. So we need your listener support to continue this Bible teaching radio program on this station in your city. And we'd like to encourage you to donate online at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or you can call us at 1-800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051. One eight hundred two four seven thirty fifty one. If you're really enjoying the Friendship with God radio program with Tom Cantor, we really do need your support. One eight hundred two four seven thirty fifty one, or again, friendshipwithgod.org. Now, our resource of the month is Tom Cantor teaching on the Passover from Exodus 12 and Isaiah 53. We have a two-disc DVD production that brings to life the process and passion of the Passover lamb for the Jewish people and the personal relevance of the Lord Jesus Christ as our Passover lamb in our lives today. you want to get this DVD, it's our resource of the month for a $20 or more donation, and it'll help to encourage you to continue to support the Friendship with God radio program. So call us now or after the program at one 800 247 Thirty fifty one one eight hundred two four seven, thirty fifty one, or go to friendshipwithgod.org to our online bookstore, or again donate online friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's Tom Cantor as we study the book of Genesis and Hagar's life in Egypt as she was storing up sin and the wrath of God against her.
1: We're going to be in uh, Genesis sixteen and we're going to start in verse seven this morning and read till the end of the chapter. So let's pray. Father, we come to you now because this is your book. Lord, we depend on your spirit to teach us. We are your children. We give ourselves to you this morning and want to hear from our God. So speak to our hearts as we open your word now in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 16, verse 7. And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness by the fountain in the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, whence camest thou, and whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, "'Return to thy mistress, and submit thyself under her hands.' And the angel of the Lord said unto her, "'I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, "'and it shall not be numbered for multitude.' And the angel of the Lord said unto her, "'Behold, thou art with child, and shall bear a son, "'and thou shalt call his name Ishmael, "'because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. "'And he will be a wild man, "'his hand will be against every man, "'and every man's hand against him.' and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou, God, seest me. For she said, Have I also here looked after him that seeth me? Wherefore, the name was called Birla Haroi. Behold, it is between Kadesh and Barad. And Hagar bare Abram a son, and Abram called his son's name, which Hagar bare, Ishmael. And Abram was fourscore and six years old when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram. All right, now. In our last study, you remember how we started to learn about God in a very particular way and how his dealings were with Hagar. That's the real value of this passage Here is, Of course, it's valuable to learn about Hagar and her situation, but it's really more valuable for us, and we have this great interest to learn about God and how he dealt with Hagar. So we looked at verse 7, and by the time we walked away from verse 7, there was one word that was very, very important. And of course, you all remember that word, don't you? it's the word found right because when we read those words and the angel of the lord found her we understood how much god is a seeker he seeks that's why she was found because he was looking for her and when we saw that word found we understood that god found hagar because god was looking for hagar And from that knowledge, we understood how God found each one of us because God was looking for each one of us. As a matter of fact, that one word found states the uniqueness of a great truth. And the great truth is, the word found here, verse 7, shows that great truth that God seeks for man and God finds man. The word found in verse 7 shows this great truth that God reaches down from heaven to save sinful man. That's why this word is so important, found in verse 7, because it shows the great truth that God came down from heaven to seek and to save that which was lost. And that's a great truth, that's a great truth in verse 7, because What that great truth that's all brought out in that word found, what it does is it exposes the great lies. See, the word found in verse 7 exposes the great lie that man somehow seeks for God. That's a lie. The word found in verse 7 exposes the great lie that man reaches up to heaven, to God. That's why Paul said, who can reach up and bring Christ down? No one can. So the word found in verse 7 exposes the great lie that man is able to pick himself up by his own bootstraps and man can do all kinds of good works which are able to impress God and get God to save him. Those are lies. Those are great lies. And that word found in verse 7 exposes those lies, brings out the great truth. Now, verse um, 8, so after the angel of the Lord, who we know was the Lord Jesus Christ, and so after he found Hagar, what we see in verse 8 is that he addresses her with her proper title. Notice it says, Hagar, Sarai's maid. Now, let's put ourselves for a minute here in Hagar's position. It's by the grace of God that Hagar was taken out of A life in Egypt where she was surrounded by false gods. The chapter, that was a chapter in Hagar's life when she was in Egypt, and that was a dark chapter in her life where all she saw around her was the exaltation of man. She saw the pride of man. She saw the promotion of Pharaoh as a direct descendant of the sun god. And that chapter in Hagar's life where she lived in Egypt, there were gods that so angered the Lord that when he brought the 10 plagues on Egypt to bring out the children of Israel out of Egypt he said that he was actually executing judgment on their gods that's what he said in Exodus 12:12 12, 12, when he said i will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt both man and beast and against all the gods of Egypt i will execute judgment I am the Lord. So Hagar, in this dark chapter in her life, when she lived in Egypt, she was living in a place that was provoking God. She was living in a place that was making God angry. And in her past life in Egypt, Hagar was living in the middle of all those false gods that God was getting to the point where he was boiling over and he's about to execute judgment against all those gods. So in that chapter of Hagar's life in Egypt, Hagar was surrounded by all this idolatry and she was living in the midst of places, evidently, where there were houses of these false gods. And they're referred to in Jeremiah 43:12 where God says, "And I will kindle a fire in the houses of the gods of Egypt." And later in the next verse in Jeremiah 43:13, God says, "And he shall break also the images of Beth Shemesh that is in the land of Egypt, and the houses of the gods of the Egyptians shall he burn with fire." So this was the chapter in Hagar's life where she lived in Egypt, where she was in the middle of all this. And she walked down the streets there in Egypt. She saw those houses of the gods. She saw the idols. She smelled the incense. There was incense, a certain incense that was used to burn to those gods. God said that those who burned incense to those gods in Egypt, he said they cut themselves off from God. And they made themselves a curse and a reproach. And Jeremiah speaks about that also in Jeremiah 44, 8, where he said, In that ye provoke me unto wrath with the works of your hands, burning incense unto other gods in the land of Egypt, whither ye be gone to dwell, that ye might cut yourselves off, and you might be a curse and a reproach. So this was the chapter in Hagar's life in Egypt. It was a chapter in Hagar's life where in Egypt that was a chapter of a life of darkness. was a life of idolatry. It was a life of cutting herself off with the crowd, cutting herself off from God. And in this Egypt chapter in Hagar's life, every time Hagar walked into one of those houses of the Egyptian gods to worship along with the other Egyptians... In this Egypt chapter in Hagar's life, every time Hagar burned incense to one of those Egyptian gods, along with the rest of the Egyptians, she wasn't out of place. In this Egypt chapter of Hagar's life, every time Hagar bent her knees or bowed herself to one of those Egyptian idols, along with all the Egyptians... In this Egypt chapter in Hagar's life, every time Hagar asked one of those Egyptian idols to help her, along with all the rest of the Egyptians, every time she trusted in one of those Egyptian idols, along with all the rest of the Egyptians that were doing all that as well, every time she did one of those things in Egypt, in this chapter of her life, Hagar was hardening her heart against the constant light of creation which she had and the light of her own conscience that were just screaming out to her inside of her no this is wrong god is not a piece of stone he's not a piece of carved wood but every time hagar did one of those things in egypt in that chapter in her life she did what's described by one word. And you I want to turn to this in Romans 2:5. There's one word, which is very interesting, in Romans 2:5 that describes what every lost person does. We're thinking about Hagar here. In Romans 2, 5, 5, and 6, Romans 2, 5 and 6, it describes this about a lost person. It says, but after thy hardness and impenitent heart... Treasurest up unto thyselves wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. See what Hagar did in Egypt in that chapter in her life is that whatever she did, one of those things that we talked about there, she is described by this one word in Romans 2:5, and it's the word treasurist. Treasurous. Now, it's an interesting word. First of all, it's not an English word. (laughs) You won't find it in any dictionary because I don't know where it came from. I think the King James translators made it up. (laughs) But it's not a bad word, even though it's not in our dictionaries. In fact, it's a great word because the Greek word that Paul used here. For treasurist is the word thesaurizo and which comes from the Greek word "Theauros," which is where we get our word treasure from. So it really means to treasure there is no word to treasure, but anyway, that's what it means. I treasure you treasure and No, it doesn't. Anyway, it means to make a deposit, or it means to store away. You know, as, as I was preparing the study at home, and my wife, you know, this door is behind me, and my wife opens the door to the study, and so I kept working you know, because I only speak when I'm spoken to. <laughs> and I was waiting for her to speak to me. <laughs> and so I was just sitting there, but she didn't say anything. And so I'm waiting. And, and then I heard a few coins drop into the piggy bank, which is in the study, seat, And then she shut the door, you know? And so, and she didn't want to say anything to me. She just came in to drop a few coins in our piggy bank, which we keep in the study. So I was thinking about our piggy bank, you know, especially this word, because we used to throw all of our loose coins into this one drawer, but that was kind of like you'd open the drawer and coins would be all over the place. And so my wife came home one day with a nice piggy bank. And she told me that from now on, we needed to drop every loose coin in the piggy bank. See? And so from that day, we had this new practice in our home. So ever since that, we brought home that piggy bank. Whenever we have a coin, or, we drop it in the piggy bank. And now our drawer is all neat and tidy, see? because we have the piggy bank. <laughs> So we drop it in there, and we go there, and like she did last night, and we drop in the coins. We forget about it, and we just keep dropping those coins in the piggy bank and, and just keep forgetting about it. About every three or four months, then we pick up the piggy bank. It's, it's full, you know. So we take pick up the piggy bank, and we're surprised, you know, how heavy it is. And, and then we, the little piggy bank's got a little, you know, door on the bottom, and we open the door, and we shake out all the coins and, you know, spread them all out and get the little Uh, Anyways, because she's not going to spend 6% down at Vons, not my wife. So so they start the coins. we're going to save that money and we're going to have to put them in little pouches. But it's always a surprise to us when this happens. How in the world did we get this more than $100 in coins because we just go in there and drop these coins in there and we forget about it. Every time we drop a few coins in the piggy bank, we are are a thesarizo, you see? or treasuring up, and then we forget about it. And we just drop a few coins in there, and we're making a deposit. We're storing it away, and then we forget about it. And then we empty the piggy bank, we're surprised. wow, you know, we really treasured up, or deposited, or stored away a lot of money over time that we forgot about. And we were treasuring unto ourselves money. That's the picture behind this word. That Paul has used. Paul is not talking about treasuring up money in a piggy bank against the day when we need money and we've got to open the piggy bank. But we can understand the impact of Paul's, what he's saying here by this word, when we consider that instead of money into a piggy bank for when it's emptied out, we see that in this verse is talking about sin that's being treasured up. So like a coin that's dropped in the piggy bank, a little deposit, you know, so each little sin is like a little deposit or it goes on to an entry on a ledger sheet that's forgotten about and like dropping in a coin in the piggy bank and then forgetting about it. So each little sin is deposited away and forgotten about. And like all the coins in the piggy bank, they just keep adding up without us even knowing it. And so all those sins that have been done just keep adding up in a person's life without them knowing about it because they forget about it. And then there's one day when the piggy bank is emptied and and we all see how much we've dropped in over time. And so for the lost, there's going to be one day when all those sins that they've done and they've forgotten about will all be brought up in the open. And that day is called, it's got a name here in Romans 2.5, it's called the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. And so like there's a surprise when the piggy bank is empty, there'll be a, there's a great surprise on the part of the lost when they see that each sin that they did and forgot about, it all comes out in the open at one time. And that's the picture behind this word that he's used here, treasurist. We have treasure. So on that day, the lost is going to see that every sinful thought and every sinful act and every sinful word that at the time was painful but it was done and it was forgotten about, it will all be brought out in full color on the day of wrath. And on that day when all those, sins that have been, all those sins that have been treasured up against that day and they're all brought out, they'll be what's called here the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. But for the saved in the Lord Jesus Christ, each one of those sins that they've done is written on it immediately paid for by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the saved are saved from that day of wrath and the righteous revelation of the revelation of the righteous judgment of God because having gotten under the umbrella of God's protection, having accepted the lamb of God which takes away their sins, so that's what happens. For the saved. But every time in this chapter in Hagar's life, every time she did one of those things in Egypt, we talked about in this chapter in her life, Hagar was treasuring up unto herself wrath against the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. So the chapter in Hagar's life in Egypt was the chapter was filled with Hagar just storing up and depositing one sin after another until she had amassed, like any lost person, this terrible treasure of sins. And that chapter in Hagar's life was like the chapter in our lives of what our lives were like before we came to know and be saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. Because like Hagar, we just continued along also in our life. Hagar followed the Egyptians. We went with the crowd. And it was just one terrible sin after another. a terrible, another, One terrible sinful thought, another terrible sinful word, another terrible sinful act. And after each one, Hagar and we, we said the same thing. Right now I feel terrible for what I thought or what I said or what I did. But just give it some time just give it some time. Time will heal it all. With time, I'll be able to forget it, move on. And we thought that just by giving it time to forget it, just by closing our eyes to what we did, just by forgetting what we did, that all of our sins would just vanish away. But that's not true. And like Hagar, we had no idea that with each sin, We were making another deposit, another treasuring into our own personal terrible treasure of all of our sins that we were collecting for our own personal day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God who would render to every man according to his deeds. Then one day, in a very surprising series of strange events, Hagar found herself in this new family. All of a sudden, Hagar is now a part of Abraham's family as Sarah's maid. And this started for Hagar a new chapter in her life. And in this chapter in Hagar's life of Abraham's family, Hagar is now in the light. She's not in the darkness. She's in the light. She has learned in this chapter, being now in Abraham's family, just how sinful her past really was when she lived in Egypt. And in Abraham's family now, Hagar has learned that she was a great sinner and that she needed a great Savior. And in Abraham's family, Hagar has learned that God is a great Savior. And in Abraham's family, Hagar has now learned that God requires the shedding of blood in order for there to be an atonement for sins. And in Abraham's family, Hagar has now learned how you trust God How you pray to God, how you trust God for the forgiveness of your sins, through the blood that was symbolized by what Abraham called God himself will provide a lamb. And in Abraham's family, Hagar has learned how God is the God of life, and he's the God of resurrection from the dead, as Abraham had that confirmed conviction that God was able even to raise up Isaac from the dead. So in Abraham's family, Hagar is really in the light, and she has gone from the chapter of, in her life in Egypt of darkness to this new chapter in her life, in Abraham's family was to light. She had gone from darkness to light, and she didn't do anything. That's the amazing thing. You think about Hagar. She didn't do anything. She not you know, so it wasn't Abraham's... Caravan arrives into Egypt, and you know, hager's you know, hey, take me, take me. Well, we don't know what happened, but she didn't do anything for that transaction to take place. It was just like with many of us. We didn't do anything, and all of a sudden, someone come, came into our lives and told us about the Lord Jesus Christ. What a terrible sinner we were, and how all those sins in the past could be forgiven by Him. You know, for me, it was Cheryl. I found the pretty girl. I learned that I found a far more beautiful Savior. And like Hagar, I did nothing and all of a sudden a new chapter of light opens in my life where I was in the light. But in verse 7, a new chapter has opened in Hagar's life where she did not appreciate the light that she was in and she has run away from the light in Abraham's house. And sitting by that fountain there in the middle of the wilderness, we see Hagar who is now afraid. And she just doesn't know what to do. She doesn't know where to turn. She's confused. And in that state of mind, God finds her. And sometimes we're in this situation. That's why it's so valuable for us to look at. Sometimes we're in the verse 7. We've allowed ourselves to sin and to separate ourselves from God. We've allowed some dark passion, maybe like Hagar, we allowed the dark passion of pride and anger to get the best of us, and we said words that we wish we had not said, and those words have come in between us and God. And we're like Hagar, we feel uh, we're out there in the wilderness, and we feel so separated like she did.
0: Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. Now, to encourage you to support this Bible teaching radio program, our resource of the month is Tom Cantor, Teaching on the Passover. From Exodus chapter 12 and Isaiah 53, it's the Passover like you've never heard it preached or taught before. And this is a wonderful time to give someone the gift of the Passover and the teaching on it, especially as we near Passover time and Easter it's a great gift to give to a Christian or an unbeliever or even a Jewish person who may be searching for the truth and evidence of the scriptures and who the Messiah is at the Passover or Easter time of year. Now call us today with your donation of support of $20 or more and we'll send you this powerful DVD teaching on the Passover by Tom Cantor. That's 1-800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051. Or you can go to friendshipwithgod.org to our online bookstore, friendshipwithgod.org, and you can order it through there. And you can also make your donation online at friendshipwithgod.org. friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program on Facebook. Just search for Tom Cantor or Friendship with God or Israel Restoration Ministries. Now, you can also receive Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse through the Facebook account, or you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org to have that directly sent to your cell phone or your phone. Again, 1-800-247-3051 or friendshipwithgod.org. Thanks for listening, and join us again tomorrow at this same time.